You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On WBV, like us on Facebook, or rate and review us on iTunes, your podcast listen of choice. Also, a reminder, make sure you download the Summit uh, app available on your app store, uh, either iOS or Android, 24-7 coverage of women's basketball. Uh, and somebody who has been showing up in our headlines over and over and over again for good reason is joining us. It is very exciting to have Sylvia Fowles here. Syl, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> I, a place I'd love to start is there's a number I want to throw out at you, and that is 35 is the player efficiency rating, this catch-all stat, uh, that uh-huh. is the best in league history. It's something Lauren Jackson was able to reach. So uh-huh. far this year, through nine games, you are at 38.1. So it wouldn't just be what? the best player efficiency <laughs> rating this year. It would be the best in history and by a wide margin. Uh, wow. Wow. I, I know. Wow is how I feel about it. When I talked to Cheryl Reeve about this, she said one of the biggest pleasures she's seen out of this year is watching you reach another level. In a uh-huh. broad stroke, how do you account for the way you have been playing so far this year? Um, a lot of that credit go to my, my teammates. Um, I know it sounds cliche a little bit, but um, just being able to put myself in good positions, but my teammates put me in good positions to score, so a lot of that has to do with them, and my coach is being attentive to to things that I can do and what I want to do and how I want to raise my game. So um, I think it's done collectively, collectively as a unit, uh, just in the Minnesota Lynx period. I, I, I mean, it makes sense because a lot of the way in which the team works and especially some of the changes, the three-point shooting, has created some spacing that make mm-hmm. a lot of sense as far as why that would lead to better numbers for you. But I know... You know, look, you know, rest is a big part of it, and we should get into that as Uh well. But just the individual aspects of your game, the numbers have improved across the board. Were there specific areas that you thought you could get better coming into 2017? Um, Overall, I think I just wanted to get better, but um, it's a a talk that I had with uh, Coach Reef uh, Mm -hmm. during my exiting meeting last year, and um. She just telling me that she wanted me to be more involved with the offense and be more part of the team and and whatever that, that took, uh, I just tried to take that into stride and I went overseas and I, I took a lot of things into consideration of what she said and I came back and just tried to put it all together and um, it's been working for me since. So I would say overall, um, whether that's rebounding, scoring, uh, getting block shots, getting steals, uh, getting deflections, so all that plays into it as well. What's interesting, when you talk about getting more involved in the offense, I mean, look, it, it, a lot of those years in Chicago, you were the number one scoring option, but you go mm-hmm. by usage rating, and you're actually at the highest usage rate of your entire career so far this year. Now, I, I know Shell runs the offense through you, but that's an interesting number given how many scoring options there are on this team. What you're not doing, mm-hmm. though, is doing that to the absence of finding your teammates because your assist percentage is 11.7%, easily the highest of your career as well. 
How, how do you account well, for that balance? I, I, I called it, um, like, the double head effect. Um, either I'm going to score or my teammates are going to score. And I have confidence if I'm getting double, triple team, I can pass it out and it'll make it easier for them. So, yeah, we starting inside, but um, it's, a, it's a team effort. When I don't have it, I know my teammates have my back. Do you feel left out of the three-point shooting party that's taking place <laughs> in Minnesota? Are there, there are nine... <laughs> Minnesota Lynch players with at least five three-point attempts so far this year. Uh, you, Not at you all. At zero. I'm wondering <laughs> what your thoughts are about that. Um, I'm happy that we're shooting it well, and um, I hope we can just continue um, this run that we're making. And um, I think we're going to only get better from here on out, but most definitely I'm not missing out on any action at the three-point line. Um, <laughs> I know what I fit in, and that's around the rim, so I'm going to stick to my duties and uh, do work down there. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, obviously you've been unstoppable in the low post, but your range extends out. I mean, you know, the free throw line extended, and that's a shot mm-hmm. that you can that you can bury with regularity as well. Do you think of yourself, and is that part of the conversation, as expanding that spacing as well? Um, I want to expand, but I don't want to do too much. Um, I want to stick to my bread and butter, but I, I do want to have the option to knock down those jumpers from 10 to 15 feet up. 15 to 17 feet. So I just have to be comfortable. I think my coaches put me in really awkward situations at practice by making me shoot those shots. So when I do get in the game, I feel comfortable shooting. The spacing that you get, and especially the attention you get uh, by the rim, seems mm-hmm. at least just just from an outsider perspective perspective to a fundamentally changed because Rebecca is so often now at the perimeter as well, you know, and having taken 15 three-point attempts already, Uh but, you know, making that kind of difference, what does it feel like? What are you seeing defensively and how different is it so far in 2017? Um, First of all, just being poised and see where the the double teams and triple teams are coming from and and not letting uh, the defender rush me. it's something that I try to pay attention to, but definitely um, having Rebe- uh, Rebecca knock down those shots and shooting the way she's been shooting um, helps a lot as well. So uh, teams are pretty cautious about coming to help. Um, and double and triple team, um, either you're going to take off Rebecca or you want to take off Maya or Simone, and I don't think they want those options. But like I said, at this point, it I don't think it's, it really matters because everybody's shooting the ball well, so... I just hope we can just continue to go in the direction that we're going. And you talked about shooting the ball well, and, and, and Maya the last two games really had, but even when she was struggling to make her shots early in the year in a, in a really uncharacteristic way, you guys were at the top of the lead in terms of offensive efficiency. So mm-hmm. it, it leads to a really odd thing to ask, which is that, and, and, I, and I'll preface it by saying that over your last two weeks, you guys are scoring 122 points per 100 possessions, which would be by far <laughs> the best. I know. I mean, it's absurd. It's the by far the best in the wow. history of the league. I mean, you know, you just compare it to what Golden State just did on the NBA side. They were at 115.6. I mean, that's the level you've been playing the last two weeks. And so wow. do, do you see the best as yet to come and that this is a team that can be even better offensively with Maya in a groove with teams having to make that decision more and more on Rebecca and helping off of her and giving you more as odd as this is to say one-on-one opportunities around the basket 
Oh, man. Um, since you put it that way, absolutely. Um, I think we have a lot more in store uh, that we want to get out and we want to show. Uh, not just to our fans and the people who watch us, but to ourselves. We owe this to ourselves because I feel like a lot of us made sacrifices in all season to get better, to come back here, to put mm -hmm. ourselves in a good position to compete for a championship. So I'm just happy that everything is working out the, the way that we plan, but I definitely do think that we can get better as the season goes along. Specific to the extra looks you're going to be getting. So when Seattle played you last weekend, uh, they mm -hmm. single-covered you for a half. Uh, you uh -huh. went, as, as you remember, you went off for 26 points in uh -huh. a half. Do you ever remember being in a groove like that? And it's a sort of an absurd question to ask for someone who's achieved so much in this game, mm -hmm. but the numbers would seem to indicate that it's at a different level than you've ever been before. Um, I can say honestly that I've never been in a groove like that first half in Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm getting the opportunities, and I'm, I'm getting good uh, spots to score, and my teammates giving me good looks, so... That definitely was a, a big wild factor in that Seattle game. What it this is maybe a hard question to put into or a hard answer to put into words. But what does that mm -hmm. feel like? What does it feel like to be uh, to be so unstoppable, knowing you're playing a game at the highest level again on the road against an elite defensive team? Um, it's humbling. At the same time, um, it's a like I said, it's a wild sector. Um, hmm. You never know what you're capable of until you lock in and you hit that moment uh, where you just black out and you just focus on team and what we need to do to be successful. So um, I've been in the groove like that before, but not at that highest level where everything was just tunnel vision focused and knowing what I, I had a task at hand and I just had to go out there and get it done. So when we caught up in person when you were here in New York, we talked a little bit about your expectations when you came over in the middle of the 2015 season. When, mm -hmm. when you envisioned sort of the maximum of what this could be offensively, defensively, just for you personally, was this about what you had in mind, or did you, did you envision something different? Um, my vision was a little different, um, only because... Minnesota was already established with everything that they had. Um, mm -hmm. So I just was trying to get in where I fit in. Um, and at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm three years into it. Um, I think Coach have a different vision of me to be uh, more dominant and uh, being more part of the offense flow. And so I'm, I'm fine with that as well. Um, and so I can definitely say it has been different, but I'm liking the turn that it's taken. I'm going to throw another fun set of numbers your way. It's your true shooting percentage uh, mm -hmm. in Minnesota. Uh, you were at 56.5% when you came over in 2015, which was mm -hmm. obviously a period of adjustment, but is still a remarkable number. I mean, it's a Hall of Fame number uh, as a baseline. You were at 63.4% last year. Uh, through nine games this year, you're at 69.5%. So you're doing things that... Uh, essentially no center in the history of this league has ever done, you know, Lisa Leslie included. I, I mean, really, no matter wow. who you talk about, that you know, that's mm -hmm. the type of company that you're keeping in. So, uh, you know, Cheryl talked earlier this year about you being the best five in the history of the league. I wonder, number mm -hmm. one, if you heard that comment, number two, what that <laughs> what that does for you, and, 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 and number three, whether that has been a career goal of yours? 
Um, starting backwards, yes, that's that's definitely been a career goal of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I've heard uh, her statement, um, and it does a lot for a player uh, of my caliber uh, just to continue to go out there and work hard. Um, like I said before, I'm I'm kind of a, a people pleaser, and I'm like a little sponge, so everything. My coaches tell me that I have to do everything that I see on film. I try to soak it up and bottle it all up and go out there and do better. So um, it definitely builds your confidence to want to go out there and do more. And um, I'm I'm just happy to, to be a part of this journey at this moment with the group of women that we have. Let's talk about that group because something that's striking to me is the accomplishments, you know, top to bottom in that lineup are uh, undeniable and remarkable. And yet, mm-hmm. each one of you seem to have taken it uh, upon yourselves and also in response to what the coaching staff and Cheryl have asked of you and gotten mm-hmm. better in a very specific way. Why, uh-huh. why do you think it's been so uh, easy and so significant to get buy-in from you guys as a group to go above and beyond I, I mean at some level there's obviously got to be a significant amount of pride about the players you already are and the things you've already done the idea to go out mm-hmm. there and get even better what what is that like just emotionally and intellectually for the group of you um we all have an understanding and we have one coming goal and and that's to win um i think our personalities help um we're very unselfish as a unit and um everybody pushes each other here um mm-hmm. with this team and I talked about it before. Uh, uh, Cheryl and her staff have a, a good way of meshing players together who she knows going to get along with her captains and she knows they're going to work. But they have that mentality. Uh, when you come in here, they don't expect anything less of what you've been given. And you're going to have to get better if you come here. And um, that's a, a goal that they set amongst themselves. So everybody else who trickle in along the way, they learn that habit. And I think that's why we're so successful. You, your teammate and, and, and partner under the basket for uh, the last couple of years uh, in, in Rebecca Brunson has somehow transformed into a stretch four uh, in her age 35 season. I mean, this is the type of thing that people have trouble doing at any point in their career. She's, she's mm-hmm. doing it at a point in her career where <laughs> other people are winding down. How does that happen, and, and what has it been like to see that up close? Um. It's her mindset. Um, Brunson has uh, a determined mindset that anything asked of her, she's going to get it done. So that helps. And um, the way she eats, um, I think she's vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty sure that plays a big factor in her health as well. But um, she keep up with herself. She take care of her body. Um, she she do what she needs to do. Um, she come in and get extra treatment. She come in and get extra shots. So to see her make that transition is it, not a surprise to us because we've seen her put in that work. I, I, I mean, to put in the work, lots of people put in the work to maybe maintain the status quo of a Hall of Fame career. She's opened up. It, it almost seems like she's aging in reverse, which is an interesting thing. But <laughs> has, has she encouraged uh, or has her work here encouraged you to pursue a vegetarian lifestyle as well? Uh, perhaps, you know, there's some sort of link between that and shooting from the perimeter? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I mean, and no. At this point in my career, no. Probably after basketball, maybe. But right. while I'm I'm running and getting hit the way I get hit, absolutely not. No, I I I don't. Think <laughs> I, I I totally understand. Now, now the 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 start that Maya Morris had. 
you know, mm-hmm. the, the shooting taking a while to come around. Is there an added sense of confidence for you and for the Lynch that you guys were able to reel off seven straight victories with Maya shooting 31% over that period of time, just uncharacteristic and almost unbelievable and certainly unlikely right. to be repeated? Um, we, we, we wasn't concerned at all. Um, we knew Maya was going to get back into her group at some point. Um, did we know it was going to take seven games within the season? I doubt it. Mm-hmm. But um, like you said, it's it's uncommon for Maya to shoot the way she's been shooting, but she's starting to come back around. But um, I think uh, our captains did a really good job uh, just uh, reeling everybody in at that moment and saying, hey, if we have to do X, Y, and Z in extra areas just to help, you know, make up that space mm-hmm. for Maya. And everybody was willing to step up to the challenge. And, um, Maya did other things for us. Uh, she wasn't shooting well offensively, but she did a lot of great things for us on defense, which also helped. And and even with the shooting percentage being lower, she's among the top three in the lead in offensive ratings. So everything mm-hmm. else she was doing was vintage Maya Moore. Uh, let's talk about Correct. The, let's talk about the other side of the ball though, because mm-hmm. something that's being lost in all these eye popping offensive numbers and you guys, you know, breaking three digits is that this is the best defense in the league too so far. You guys are giving up ninety two points per one hundred possessions, which uh, mm-hmm. is significantly ahead of uh, you know even the second best in the league right now, which is Phoenix at ninety five point seven. You're obviously mm-hmm. a, a big part of that, but to what in what ways have you guys adjusted and perhaps improved defensively, even over last year, uh, which was already a strong defensive team as well? Well, our biggest focus as a team was to uh, be better uh, defensively uh, with one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, we also, of course, uh, we stepped up to that challenge and we wanted to better ourselves within that area. So um, I won't say it's where we, we wanted to be at this point, but each game we have gotten better with it. I, I, so I recently talked to uh, Elena Beard and Neckard Wumake about this, and they talked about the need to focus on one-on-one as well. How much of that comes from a lead where more and more players are simply capable of burying those threes, making it that much more dangerous to sag and help defense uh, and use those types of schemes? Um, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Um, of course you always want to do one-on-one so you don't have to get so much help um but at the same time it it depends on what your team is focusing on that day um i know we have schemes for for certain teams so um it depends it depends on who you're playing and it also depends on what's your mindset is if if you're a go-getter are you relaxed or how you want to get it done but for your teams, and this has been throughout your career, obviously, there's that comfort. There's that understanding that you are an elite rim protector. So people can take chances. You know, uh, right. Mike can chase after that steal, uh, knowing uh-huh. that, that you are there behind them. Do you think, because uh, there's a lot of conversation about this, there's a conversation about bigs having to be out to the three-point line and beyond and uh, Uh a different kind of definition of the five. But as as Mm -hmm. long as there's someone with your particular skill set, although in fairness, very few in the history of the league have ever had something close to that, do you think Mm -hmm. there is a home for the traditional five in the WNBA? Um, I would hope so. Um, when you speak of traditional fives, we're we're slightly distinctive. Uh, we we're barely around. Um, you have Brittany and I yeah. as a as a true five, and who don't step beyond um, 
even though Brittany do have a, a mid-range game. Um, I love what I do, and I mean, if I can extend myself in those areas, maybe I would. But at this point in time, I like to bang. I, yeah. I like to get smacked. I like to get popped. But it, it definitely gives um, your teammates um, that sense of that you do have a rim protector, like you said. And, and like you said, it gives them uh, a little more time to be a little lenient and do stuff that's out of their norm because they know they have somebody there who has their back. And so that's something that I credit myself on is, just making sure I have my teammates back no matter what. Well, clear, clearly you do. I, I, I'd love to talk about Brittany a little bit if we could, because that sure. to me that rivalry, uh, and, and again, I, I use rivalry in the sense of two elite players playing at a mm-hmm. high level, you know, in, in the same way that, uh, that, that Wilt and Bill Russell were mm-hmm. uh, friendly and, you know, went to battle against one another. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is that Brittany's year this year so far is the kind mm-hmm. of breakout that I think everyone would be talking about if your numbers were not so much even further off the charts. But she's up over 30 uh, in her player efficiency rating. She's mm-hmm. making herself available and demanding the ball more. I'm wondering mm-hmm. what you've seen so far and you know what you think she can be and should be going toward when you think of essentially your career as the benchmark? Um, I think uh, with Brittany Caliber, the game is only going to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the kind of player that she's becoming. Um, she is starting to be more dominant and she's starting to ask for the ball more, which is something that you can always tip your head off to as being a big player because you know all the struggles that a big has to go through. But um, I'm definitely liking the way that uh, she's developing her game. Um, and I hope she get better as the years come. And um, I just wish her nothing but uh, happiness and the best. Um, I, I always want to see the big girls succeed, and I want to see our league succeed as well. Do you think of the games in which you guys go up against one another as the type of rivalry game that can even shine a light that much more on the WNBA? Um. However they want to word it <laughs> and have uh, uh they want to put it. Um, I try not to get into the whole rivalry thing. Um, I look at it as uh, the Minnesota Leaks versus whomever we play, mm-hmm. whether that's the, the Phoenix Mercury or, you know, the Seattle Storm or whoever we play. I try not to individualize anything and uh, just try to make it about team. Has that been easier to do? in Minnesota where everyone seems to have everyone else's back? Um, it's definitely been easier uh, to do it here in Minnesota, and we definitely have each other back. But um, I think just me and my personality and how I function uh, mentally uh, is something that i always done throughout my career. So, uh, and it's true, uh, going right back uh, in, into college, and I'm sure prior to that as well, I, I, I wonder if something, and this is more significant of a climate perspective if the league played in winter instead of in summer how much harder would it be to adjust from growing up in miami and going and playing college ball at lsu to being (laughs) in minnesota uh, on a regular basis for months on end um i don't think i'll be playing basketball and it's funny that you asked that question because we've had this conversation on the bus going to the airport probably like two weeks ago (laughs) and uh, they were talking about what if we had to play in the wintertime, and uh, a few of us was like, we probably won't be playing. I am not the winter person. I don't like the winter. I don't like the cold. Um, 
it's not just it's not for me. I'm, right. I'm Floridian, uh, and I went to Louisiana. I don't know how I'll make it in Minnesota, so I don't know what I'll be doing if basketball season was during one time. And and that leads me to uh, another question, which is, what do you think you would be doing in general, just with your life, if not if not playing basketball? Have Have you ever thought about what that would be like? Ooh, um, <laughs> if I wasn't playing basketball, um, I definitely think I would be working at a funeral home. Interesting. And I would definitely have about three kids by now. <laughs> Why? Why a funeral home? I, I, that, that's that's an unconventional answer. How come? Um, always been interested in it. Um, and I'm taking classes now for mortuary science. Uh, it's something that I want to do for life after basketball. That is really interesting. And and so, yeah. but <laughs> but you know that balance. And you talked about that work life balance. And it is mm-hmm. it is such a challenge. Uh, you know. I've heard so many players in the league talk about this, especially because the league is part of your year, and then part of your mm-hmm. year is playing overseas and and building yeah. a life like that as well. Mm-hmm. Have you have you thought about that? Have you talked to uh, you know some people who have been through it, who are a little bit, let's say, later on in their process, uh, whether it be a Tamika Catchings or uh, a Swin Cash, uh, about how you plan to make that decision going forward? Um, I, I did have uh, the chance to talk to Cash. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not Cash, Catchings a little bit uh, when we was at USAB. Mm-hmm. Um, just a transition, but uh, I think Catchings has a mindset of uh, just being um, in tune with reality and what it is. Um, we all can't do this forever, even though I, I know a lot of us wish we could. Mm-hmm. Um it's just about being realistic and snapping into reality about uh, what's like to come outside of basketball. Um, I, I haven't had these talks with too many people because uh, a lot of us don't see ourselves winding down no time soon. So right. uh, it, it's kind of hard to have these conversations for sure. I, I would imagine, especially especially the way you're playing these days, I would <laughs> think that would be a hard thing. Well, so let's talk about, you know, listen, before that happens, I just want to read this list out, okay? Okay. You have been a WNBA champion. You have been a WNBA Finals MVP. You have been mm-hmm. a three-time WNBA Defensive Player of the Year, five times on the All-Defensive First Team. You've made the first team All-WNBA. You have won the Turkish Cup three times. You've won the EuroLeague mm-hmm. twice. Is there anything on your list... That you, I, I, we haven't even talked gold medals. I mean, is there anything on your list? It's <laughs> just off the top of my head. Is there anything on your list that you haven't accomplished yet that you'd like to, from a personal perspective, from a team perspective, you know? And and related to that, what drives someone like you who has accomplished so much already? Um, definitely, uh, I would like to win a regular season MVP. Mm-hmm. It's something that I'm focusing on right now. Um, and what drives me is because um, nothing is promised. And so while I'm able and I'm healthy, um, I definitely would like to accomplish as much as possible while I'm in this, in this field. And um, I just feel like it's, an, it's important to, to try to get as much as you can, to learn as much as you can, and to go out there and um, produce it and 
like you said, we 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 make sacrifices. We play year round, yeah. so we don't have that that luxury of spending time with family and going on vacations like the rest of people does. So, right. um, if I'm in it, I'm in it to win it. And so, and if I can get as many as the world that I can and accomplish in so amount of, amount of time, um, I'm willing to do just that. So that was drives me. Very interesting, and, and and been fantastic to watch, uh, and and see. I, I'd like to take a, a moment to think about one of the lesser awards in the scheme of things. And I'm just mm-hmm. this is purely logistical. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. someone who has gold medals, trophies, all of these different awards. When you win Player of the Week, mm-hmm. it's a nice award. It's a nice honor. But you know, in the grand scheme of things. It's player of the week. You've been a right. WNBA champion. You've been a gold right. medalist. What do right. you do with a player of the week award? First of all, how, what do you get? Do you get uh, a medal or certificate? I, I don't even know physically what you get. And what do you do? <laughs> how do you display it in a house where you are a WNBA Finals MVP? How does that even work? Um, so when I think of a player of the week honors, uh, I think about unity and team um, because that was a team effort. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't all me, even though I got that personal award. Um, I can't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I can rebound, but I can't distribute the ball to myself uh, and stuff like that. So when I think about those things as a player of the week award, it's, it's team to me. And um, I believe we get like a little um, a plaque or something to put on the wall. But okay. I'm just as proud as player of the week as I am of finals MVP. Um I, I give all the love to all the awards. I don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I mean, are are you running short of room to even put things up? Because that's got to be a, a, a difficult thing. I'm definitely running. Yes, it, it is. It's, it's tough to put things in places. But um, my mom and my sister, they hold me down. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of awards at my mom's house. And we definitely got a lot of awards and stuff at my sister's house. So it, it's distributed across family. Understood. No, it, it, listen, it's it's good to have family for such things. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sylvia Fowles, the chance to talk to you about what's been going on in, in your life and your career is an absolute pleasure for me. I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk and uh, wish you nothing but the best. Looking forward to our paths crossing again soon, as I'm sure they will. Thank you. Thank you so much. And just a reminder to our listeners that you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBV, like us on Facebook, or go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes, your podcast listener of choice. Download the Summit Hoops app. Uh, Just search Women's Hoops. We're the only app of its kind, 24-7 coverage of women's basketball. I'm Howard Megdahl, wishing you a wonderful day.